You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Well, I am just excited about what God has laid on my heart to minister. And uh, this is week number one of a series that we're starting brand new today based on Psalm 91. Everybody say Psalm 91. Now, let me tell you how this came about. Um, Of course, after the terrible events that took place in Uvalde, Texas last Tuesday, uh, you know, of course, I watched everything just like you did unfold and and, uh, you know, I was spending some time with the Lord, praying about the whole situation Wednesday and, uh, you know, just praying for the people, praying for the families and so forth. And, and uh, he laid some instructions on my heart and I want to share with you what those instructions are. And he, he made a statement to me and he said, no parent of mine, meaning a parent that belongs to him, that is his child, should have to or, or would have to or will have to live in fear where sending your child to school is concerned. And he said, and so teach the people what my word says in Psalm 91 about my promise of divine protection and how they can live in it. And so I want, uh, we're going to spend as long as necessary talking about this. And, and I want to say this, in talking about this, this is no indication of, uh, well, let me just say it, that, that the parents or, or family members in Texas were not believing God. I don't know that, and, and you don't either. All I know is what the Lord told me. And so what I know is, is me and you are here, so we're going to study these things, and uh, you're, you, are, you will be prepared. Amen? So how to face these things. And so Uh, Let me just, again, launch into this with the word of prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord, for what you laid on my heart to teach the people today. Lord, I believe that I've heard from heaven, and I believe you have laid this this information, uh, divinely inspired information, revelation, to minister to your people. Father, I pray that this would become so real in our hearts and that our dependency and trust in you will go to a whole different level. So, Father, I'm asking you, Lord, to fill my mouth with your words and my mind with your thoughts so that I can accurately communicate to these, your precious people, what you would have them to hear and to receive. And, Father, I believe that we're all going to be impacted by the word of God today and in the weeks to come. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And if you're in agreement with that, can you say amen? Now, let me, before I launch into this, I'll probably only do this one time, but a lot of the, the content for what we're going to talk about in this series is going to come from this particular book that you see on the screen. By the way, I apologize for being in the dark, but they had some things going on on the stage, so we had to kind of rework stuff a little bit. So I wanted you to be able to see the screens real well. And so therefore we have to turn the lights off up here. So anyway, I'm not that important. Well, I want you to get what's up there more than I want you to see me. Amen. Even though I am incredibly good looking and easy. No, I'm just kidding. 
But so I want you to know, and this book is available. By the way, if you will go to kcm.org forward slash, and I believe it's no fear, you can download this book for, for free and uh, in a PDF format, and you can have it uh, for your, yourself. So I wanted to make that available, but, but again, a lot of the content is going to come from this particular book. So let's launch into this. Obviously, what took place in Texas was the result of the work of the enemy. God is never behind anything of that nature. He is never behind taking the lives of innocent children, uh, uh, adults. He does not, Jesus said it very clearly, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so obviously that young man was, was being controlled by and uh, possessed by uh, demonic spirits that drove him to do that. And, uh, but what I want you to see is that I think in the body of Christ, we have a misbelief. And, and I want to address this, but I want to do it in a way where it doesn't leave you down and depressed. I want to do it in a way that gives you hope. But, but the fact of the matter is, if we in the body of Christ are expecting the world to get better, we're gravely mistaken. Okay? Matter of fact, the Bible teaches exactly the opposite. It says that as the closer we get to the end of the age, uh, the closer we get to the return of the Lord Jesus, that the world is going to become darker and darker. So if we're thinking, now, and, and again, I have to separate the world from the church. Now, the church is a whole different story. The world, though, is not going to get any better. And uh, so my point is this. That, that events like this, although as shocking and disappointing and hurtful as they are, they should not catch us off guard in the sense of, wow, we never saw that coming. Okay, do you understand what I'm, what I'm trying to say to you? Matter of fact, let's go to some scriptures in Genesis chapter 6. You know, Jesus made a statement when the disciples came to him and said, you know, tell us what it's going to be like at the end of the age. And so he made a statement. We're not going to look at it, but he made a statement. My paraphrasation, he said, it'll be just like is in the days of Noah, where people will be marrying and going about their day-to-day -day activities and working their jobs and so forth and so on. In other words, people will be uh, basically unaware of what is happening around them but I want to look in, in these scriptures in Genesis chapter 6, verses 11 and 12 in the Amplified. It says this, the earth, and see if this doesn't describe, you know, although this is a description of the world 3,400 years ago, see if it doesn't sound familiar. The earth was depraved and putrid in God's sight, and the land was filled with violence, desecration, infringement, outrage, assault, and lust for power. And God looked upon the world and saw how degenerate, debased, and vicious it was. For all humanity had corrupted their way upon the earth and lost their true direction. And I think you and I would have to, if you don't agree with that description of the way the world is today, you've got your head buried in the sand. You know, it doesn't take very long watching the news and 
catching up on current events to figure out that that is absolutely a description. Now, I want to say this to you. There is nothing new under the sun, okay? As horrible and despicable as the recent events, not only, you know, what happened in Uvalde, but what happened in Buffalo and other events, as as horrible as those things are, they are not new under the sun. In other words, people that, that subject themselves and are evil are just evil. And evil has always been evil. Now, that being said, <clears throat> I want us to understand, if you go down a couple of more verses, God begins to deal with a man named Noah, and he gives Noah a simple instruction, and it's there on your notes in Genesis 6.14. He told Noah this, and, and I'm just using the first excerpt of that verse. He said this, make yourself an ark. Now, the ark was not for God. God did not need the ark. The ark was for Noah and his family. Now, of course, in that verse, if you go on and read it, God tells him the type of wood and all this to build it, build the ark out of. Um, But the purpose of Noah being given these instructions to build the ark was to provide deliverance from the events that were to come. And I believe what the Holy Spirit is saying to us as born-again believers and, and even heads of our households and families and so forth, that God is telling us to build an ark to deliver us from events that are going to come to pass in the earth. And, and the ark was designed to keep Noah and his family from perishing along with everybody else in the events that are happening in the earth. Now, Again, he's not telling you to go down and cut out some trees out of your backyard. But he is telling us to build an ark. So he's telling us to build an ark, not made of wood, but to build an ark out of the word of God. Okay? Now, this is what's exciting for us because I can tell you this, an ark to protect you and to provide safety for you and your, your family is much more sure built upon the word of God than it would be made out of wood, okay? So this is very important. So what God is instructing us to do is to build God's promises of protection and deliverance into our hearts and lives so that we can live in this crazy world with all its danger and yet still feel secure, It is, as the Lord told me last Wednesday, it is not the will of God for parents to live in fear because let's face it, we are required by law to send our children, well, not required, but we have that option available to send our children to schools, public schools. Now, if you can afford it, you can send your child to a private school. But let me say this to you, no institution is exempt. Okay, now you don't have to be frightened by the things happening around us because even in the worst of times, use your noggin for just a moment, even in the worst of times, God has proven that he has the ability to deliver his people from danger. Okay, 
Now, again, I, I want to say this, and I want to be sure everybody understands, not just you all, but anybody that happens to listen to this message, and that is this. This is in no way, shape, or form an indictment on anybody that went through or has experienced what happened. Okay? I don't know what they believed. I don't know what they stood for, but I know what we can stand for, and so that's my desire. Now, in talking about these things, I want you to understand this, and this is the first thing I want you to write down and, and, and get this on your notes, and that is this. These wonderful promises of protection and deliverance are not automatic. Okay, these wonderful promises of protection and deliverance are not automatic. So just because we're born again believers, just because we love Jesus, does not mean these things are automatically going to come upon us and happen for us. There are some things that we need to do. And so we're going to talk about those things. And um, I, I'm, I'm just very, very excited. Now, I've been teasing you a little bit unintentionally, but I have sensed in my spirit that the Lord has been, <clears throat> excuse me, dealing with me to talk about and to teach on angels. I have never taught about angels in a regular church service or Bible study. I've mentioned them, but I believe that that is, is something that we're going to get into in talking about this series in, in teaching about these things, because you need to understand you have angelic beings provided for you by the heavenly father that need to be put to work. What a horrible thing would it be to get to heaven and find out we had angels at our disposal. Now I'm not insinuating that you can boss your angels around. Like you can't tell them, go out and start the car for me, mow the grass, whatever. You can't do that. But we're going to find out what you can do and what they are assigned to do to protect you and to keep you safe. There are angels in this room right now. I have one that helps me preach. He's with me everywhere I go. Okay. Somebody says, have you ever seen him? No, never seen him. Don't know his name. Okay. I don't care if I never see him. I, at least I have one and you have at least one. Uh, I'm like Billy Graham. Billy Graham said all of us at least have one angel assigned to us, but probably more because the scripture says, we'll see in just a moment, that he gives his angels charge over us. So we're going to talk about that some in this series as well. So I'm excited about this. We're going to learn how what the word of God says about our protection. We're going to learn how to receive that protection and to walk in it for us and our households. Amen. All right. So let's go to Psalm 91. Now I did not have space on your handouts to put the entire Psalm. So we'll, we'll read it together from the screen and then we'll begin to break it down. So here we go. Psalm 91 verse one from the new King James version says this, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the, no the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers 
and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you, there you go, to keep you in some of your ways, all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent, you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, now this is God talking, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I might answer. I, I, if I feel like it, I'll answer. If they haven't done anything to honk me off, I might answer. No, he said, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, I'm going to give you a homework assignment. I want you, for the rest of this month, I tell you what, let's just say for all of June. I mean, we'll, we're, we're up on the beginning of June here, which is hard for me to wrap my brain around, but uh, we're almost at the beginning of June. So throughout the month of June, I want you to read Psalm 91 every day. And you can read it out of whatever translation you're comfortable with, but I want you to read it every single day. Now, let me lay a little groundwork for you to understand a little bit about this psalm. Now, as you know, the King David wrote a large majority of the psalms that we find in the book of Psalms. Other people, there were some musicians, there were some worship leaders that recorded or wrote some psalms down that we have in the book of Psalms. But Psalm 90 and Psalm 91 were, were both written by Moses. They are the only two Psalms in the book of Psalms that were written by Moses. Now, um, I made a mistake earlier when I said, when we read the scripture from Genesis, those verses were 5,000 years ago. Moses wrote these Psalms 3,400 years ago. Now, he wrote these Psalms right at the time, the first time, just to give you a little context, that the children of Israel came up to the Jordan River and he sent the 12 spies in. You remember this? One from each of the tribes and they went in and they spied out the land. And uh, you know the story how they came back and they said, oh yeah, it's a wonderful place. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. It's absolutely awesome. But then they put a big butt on the end of that and said, we cannot take it. Except for Joshua and Caleb. 
And you know the story, the people, the scripture says, and this is amazing to me, I, I guess I'm probably just as guilty at some point, but the scripture says that when those spies came back, the 10 came back and gave the report that they gave, that the whole nation, 2 million people began to cry and weep and wept all night long. And then they got mad at Moses and Aaron and said, you know, what did you bring us out here for? You should have left us in Egypt to die and so forth and so on. You know the story, how God said, well, guess what? This generation will not be able to go into the promised land, so you guys are going to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years until you come back around and we're going to do this again. All right? Now, Moses wrote these two Psalms right at this moment, right at this time. Okay, so when you uh, read these things and you understand, uh, I read some statistics that said this, for over 40 years, because of the people's doubt and unbelief, 16,000 people a day were going to begin to die because of their doubt and unbelief because that whole generation was going to be wiped out. Now, God didn't do it. They did it to themselves. Okay, so when, when Moses says, although a thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, it shall not come nigh me. Okay, you kind of get the gist of what was going on. Now, here's the first thing uh, that I want us to get. Now, we said these, these wonderful promises of protection and deliverance are not automatic, but write this down, please. These promises of divine protection are conditional. They are conditional. You're going to find with the majority of promises from God's word that they are conditional. Okay? Conditional upon what? Well, conditional mainly and largely on our obedience. All right? Now, that's hard for us in, in the New Testament because we, we have this thing, and, and rightfully so, that Jesus paid it all, and he did. He did all the work for us. Now, he did the work for us to deliver us from sin, to redeem us, to set us free, and all of that. But that does not exempt us from being, or, or being required to live a life of obedience to the word of God. In other words, there are still things in the New Testament that are conditional, that require something from us, something some act of obedience. So once you know from God's word that divine protection belongs to you, there are conditions that we must keep to activate that protection in our lives. Just like we just got through doing a series, a four-part series on the blessing of Abraham. We as believers carry and have upon us the blessing of Abraham. But as we studied and we saw from the word, it is not automatic. There are some things that we have to do in order to facilitate that and activate that working in our lives. It's the same thing with God's pr protection. So let's look at Psalm 91, verse 1, and let's just get the, the, the conditions out of the way. You ready? Okay, thank you for your enthusiasm. Are you ready to just get all the conditions out of the way? Okay, here we go. Psalm 91, verse 1. Here we go. First, these are the conditions. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. 
So these are the conditions. To experience God's protection, you must do two things. You must dwell and you must abide. So what do these words mean? Well, let's look at this. In the Hebrew, the word dwell means to sit down and remain. To abide means to stay permanently. Now, I want to say this for the sake of this conversation, and and that is this. We are not discussing your relationship with Jesus. If you are born again, you have a relationship with Jesus. God forbid, but if your heart was to stop beating a few moments from now, you would spend an eternity in heaven. All right, so let's just get that out of the way. However, there is something that we have to do to maintain fellowship with God. Fellowship and relationship are two different things. You know, there are people that I've, that I've got a relationship with, family, that I've got a relationship with, but because of time, distance, and other things, I don't have much fellowship with them. Now, I'm, I'm blood, and I can't get out of that. But I, just again, because of certain limitations, I cannot enjoy the fellowship with them. So there are two different things. Your relationship, you're set. Fellowship is a whole different story. So the word abide implies this, that we don't come and go. It means that this is where we make our home and it is not a temporary situation. So can I just help you right now, make up your mind and say, okay, today is a new day. Here we are, May 29th, 2022. Today is the day I decide to stay. Okay? Now, I didn't mean get saved or resaved or recommit or anything like that. Where we quit going out of God's presence and coming into God's presence. On Sundays, we come into God's presence, but about Wednesday, Tuesday, we've probably gone out of God's presence, and then the rest of the week goes by, and then here comes Sunday again, so we got to run back into God's presence. Now, I appreciate the fact that, that you want to come back into God's presence on Sunday, but let me just present something new to you. Don't ever leave His presence. Okay, just let what we do on Sunday be a support to what you're doing all throughout the week. Okay, are you still love me? All right, so let's look at the Amplified Bible of this particular verse because we're getting the conditions out of the way. Psalm 91, verse 1, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, look at this, shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. So we have just made a commitment in our hearts. Today is a new day, Lord, and I am going to quit going out and coming in. I'm just going to stay put. You know, during the summer, when the air conditioning was on, when I was growing up, you didn't go in and out and open and close the door a lot. (laughs) What were you told? Either get out and stay out or get in and stay in. All right, you know, because rightfully so. You didn't want to waste. My parents weren't paying to air condition the backyard. Okay, all right. So, 
God is saying the same thing to us. All right, let's stay in. All right, so write this down, please. It is possible for a believer, a follower of Jesus, to have a relationship with Jesus, but not be an abider. An abider. Okay? Now, I know that might be a word I made up. Um, I'm allowed to make at least one up a month. All right? But you know what, it, what I mean when I say that. It is possible for a believer to have a relationship with Jesus, but not abide in him, abide in his presence. Look at John 15, 7. Jesus said this, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Now he's talking to his disciples. He's not talking to heathen people. So he's talking to his disciples and he says, if you abide in me and if my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. So the implication is, if you look at it this way, it is possible for a disciple to not abide in him and not have his words abiding in them. Okay? So again, I know that's none of us, but I'm just giving you ammunition to preach to somebody you know. All right? Okay. So anyway, no, I'm not. I'm really wanting us all to examine our hearts, myself included. All right, so here we go. Look, write this down, please. For us to be an abider requires us to have more than a casual relationship with Jesus and his word. Now, I, I want us to, uh, it's included in this, but I, I don't, I'm not saying statements like this to, to guilt people into coming to church. That's not what this is about. This is about you and your personal relationship with Jesus, okay? So for us to abide in him requires us to have more than a casual relationship with Jesus. You and I need to have a deep relationship with Jesus. Now, again, I know I'm preaching to the choir but I have really, you know, since I studied these things, I've really been examining my own heart to say, Lord, are there depths of my relationship with you, my fellowship with you that I need to go deeper in that I've been too casual about? And that's all I'm asking you and all of us to do is to just evaluate and let the word of God quicken you on the inside. Somebody says, well, how do I know if I have a casual relationship with Jesus and his word. Well, let me say it to you this way and flip the script on you a little bit. The word that is alive in your heart is the word you act on every day. Okay, let me say it to you this way. An indication to tell you whether you're abiding in God's word is are you doing God's word without really having to think about it? That's an indicator that you've gone deep and, and not casual with your relationship with Jesus and his word. See, it comes from, and, and there's a word that I've been using a lot on Wednesday nights, and I want to begin to use it more on Sundays, and that is this, because we're talking primarily to believers. You need to be so skilled in the word of God, that no matter what comes against you, 
the skill level of the word of God that you have built into your life can handle whatever is thrown at you, okay? Now, that doesn't mean there are not gonna be times that we don't need help and so forth and so on. But what I am saying to us is I want your skill level in the word of God to increase. Are you with me? Okay, all right, so here, here we go. Write this down, please. Being an abider means you are consistent. Um, you can't afford to get into the word for a while and then get bored and quit. So I, I'm going to expound on that in just a second. So being an abider means you are consistent. If there's anything that I ought to be able to say about believers, and if anything, I ought to be able to say as pastor of this church and about the people that are part of this church is that you are consistent, okay? Uh, that no matter what happens, you're consistent. Now, we all have our moments. Don't misunderstand me. But over the long haul, you're consistent. Now, here's what happens. People hear a message like this. They get inspired, might even get convicted, and they make some decisions. And so we spend time in the Word of God. And we, we get into, you know, things that we need to be doing, like reading our Bible every day, spending some time in prayer. But here's what you're going to find out, that in your relationship with the Lord and in spending time in prayer and in the Word of God, it is not always going to be fun. It is not going to always be a situation to where when you're reading the Bible, that all of a sudden you smell honeysuckle and you hear the birds chirping and, and everything is just wonderful and oh, just everything is falling into place. And uh, no, you're going you're gonna to have some times in your Bible reading and your prayer time where it's going to be D-R-Y, dry, okay? But what you can't do is quit when it feels that way, all right? Because here's what you're going to have to believe. See, the, the tendency is, is when we do that, we start to get bored and it starts to get dry, is where I'm not getting anything out of this, so why bother? The fact of the matter is you are getting something out of it. It's just not affecting you in a way that you can see, feel, hear, touch, and taste. Are you with me? Okay. Uh, I hope I'm helping you a little bit. All right. So again, you and I cannot afford to get into the Word for a while and then get bored and quit. Now, it's the word, I want to say this to you. It's not the word that you know today that's going to make the difference. It's the word you do today that's going to make the difference. Okay? So, so very, very important. So it's not even what you know. I've known scriptures all my life. I, I mean, my parents had me in Sunday school when I was just a little bitty thing. And I can remember the teacher sharing and teaching us stuff even back then. So I, there were some things I knew, but the difference is made when you do what you know. So you're going to have to incorporate some things into your life. All right? Now, here's a promise or your money back. You ready? Okay. Write this down. For every moment... You invest in the word of God, hearing, 
and doing it, you will get back a harvest of faith, health, and deliverance. It is impossible for you and me to invest in anything related to God and it not impact our lives. God doesn't work that way, okay? So we need to understand this. Now, let's get into this a little bit different, or deeper, rather. So it's conditional. It's not automatic. There is a part that we have to play in this. And so we have a choice in the matter. So what I'm, I'm going to ask you to do in just a few moments is to make a decision. And you don't, and I'm not talking about in front of everybody or anything like that, but in your heart, make a decision. Look at Deuteronomy 30, 19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you, this is God talking, life and death, blessing and cursing. Then he tells you what to choose. It's an open book test. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Make the right choices. Okay? Now, let's look at another scripture. And uh, Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. Now this is, Joshua is in charge. He's leading Israel. They've had victory after victory after victory. And yet the people still want to hold on to some of the gods that they had in Egypt. They still want to hold on to some of the gods that they encountered when uh, they overcame certain enemies and so forth. So Joshua just went and before the people And he said this, now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river, the Nile River and in Egypt, serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, in other words, if you don't want to, then choose for yourself today who you're going to serve. whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But this is what I want us all to do and to declare. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, here's why I believe the Lord has laid these things on my heart to share with each and every one of us. Again, I'm included in this. But there, the, the time and the season that we're living in now, it is going to be impossible for us to experience what God wants us to experience and have a, a lackadaisical, casual, less than relationship with him and his word. He's kind of telling us, like Joshua did, by the spirit of God, make up your mind. What are you going to do? And just in case you need a little help, Joshua tells you, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm challenging each and every one of us. And again, I'm not talking about your relationship, whether you're saved or not. I'm talking about we need to make up our minds that we're in it to win it, that it's 100%. Okay? You're not mad, are you? All right. So God has given us the ability to make choices for our lives, and the choices we make determine the kind of life we live. 
All right? Now, I'm going to say this to you because, and I, and I really don't think, I want this to challenge us. However, uh, I did not have any situation, anybody in mind. This is just something that the Lord laid on my heart. And I want to say this to you, and it's kind of hard. Now, listen, I've given you at least eight or nine weeks on Sunday morning of cake, ice cream, and cotton candy. Talking about God's provision, prosperity, the blessing of Abraham. Now it's time for some vegetables, some broccoli, okay? Brussels sprouts, whatever vegetable you don't care for, right? Okay, so again, the choice is ours. Say that, say the choice is mine. So the choice that I make, say that, determines my life, okay? Now, that being said, look at the next, next thing I want you to write down. If you choose to live like the world, your outcome is going to be like that of the world. Now, I don't mean you're lost and going to hell. What I mean is, there will be no difference between your life and someone who isn't saved. And God wants there to be a marked difference between our lives and those that don't know him. There's got to be something about our lives that's attractive to people that don't know him. Otherwise, they look at us and they say, why do I need a relationship with Jesus? Because there's nothing different about your life than what I'm living and going through. Are, are you following me? Okay. So you might be going to heaven when you die, but you're experiencing hell here on earth. And that is not the will of God. Okay. So I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. Amen. All right. Now, let me... Uh, I, 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 I had told this story before, but I remember years ago when I, uh, I worked for a company that required me to, to travel all the time. I was gone probably 20, 22, 23 weeks out of the year um, in different cities, required me to fly a lot, okay? And so I was on airplanes all the time, which I love airplanes. I love flying and, and so forth and so on. But one of my coworkers a man that was my age, and he is my age, and a great friend, he could not stand flying. He was terrified of flying. And I'm like, dude, we work a traveling job. It's kind of required, all right? So here's what his, his routine was, and, and I'm talking about he's a born-again believer. Now, his routine was, is before he could get on the airplane, he'd have to take a Valium, to calm himself down and make himself sleep during the flight. And I said, I said, I called him by name. He was sitting with me. I said, listen, I said, don't do that anymore. If you're flying with me, first of all, pick a seat that's close to me. And I said, because, and I don't say this arrogantly, but I just have developed my faith in this area. If the wings fall off, the engines fall off, the tail falls off, we're walking away from this thing. All right? 
Somebody says, oh, that's just crazy, pastor. You can't do, you, don't tell me I can't do stuff like that. All right? Because I know what I know from the word of God. So I would encourage him. I was like, you sit right here with me. Sit, put your seat right here with me. Because if I'm safe, you're going to be safe. <laughs> okay? But here's what I want you to see is that the outcomes for us needs to be different. All right. Now, I, I, I was reminded of some scriptures that um, where in Proverbs it talks about people that had a casual relationship with the Word of God and with wisdom and um, didn't pursue the things that they should have pursued. And so let's look at Proverbs chapter 1, verses 29 through 33. Okay. I know this is not going to be any of us in the room today, but I'm sure you can think of someone. And if it's somebody beside you, point to them and say, you know, as we're reading this, say, this is really talking about you, okay? All right, here we go. Proverbs 1, 29 through 33. Because you have turned up your nose at me. Now, this is the passion, so it's going to be kind of in your face. Because you've turned up your nose at me and closed your eyes to the facts and refused to worship me in all because you scoffed at my wise counsel and laughed at my correction. Now you will eat the bitter fruit of your own ways. You've made your own bed, now lie in it. So how do you like that? Um, I got to stop here because I couldn't help but as I was studying this, think about this. Um, you know, I, I, and I don't watch it very often. As a matter of fact, it's probably been years since I've seen a full episode. But anybody ever seen Dr. Phil? Now, one thing I, I, I appreciated about Dr. Phil is when he'd get people on his show, he would let them talk themselves into a stupid corner. In other words, they would talk so much till eventually, if they were really listening to what they were saying, it would dawn on them how stupid they sound. Are, are you with me? And then he would always follow it up with this question. Well, how's that working out for you? <laughs> okay, that's kind of what, what Solomon's saying here in, in the, the Proverbs. He said, so you made your own bed, now lie in it. So how do you like that? Look at verse 32. I told you this is going to kind of get in your face. Like an idiot, you've turned away from me and chosen destruction instead. He says, your self-satisfied smugness will kill you, but the one who always listens to me, look at this, will live undisturbed in a heavenly peace, free from fear, confident and courageous. You will rest unafraid and sheltered from the storms of life. Now, here's one thing we need to understand. The storms of life happen to everybody. But there is a place, like this scripture says, of shelter and safety and peace in the midst of the storm. Okay? Now, if anything that we've talked about today has hit a nerve and, and it's quickened in your heart, to use what the scripture says, it's pricked your heart, I want you to know something, and here's the good news. Write this down. Thank God we're living in the day of grace and mercy 
and it's never too late to call upon the Lord. So my point is this, if if this has brought conviction on you, the conditions that we need to meet in order to allow God's protection to work in our lives, if we have come up short in any of those conditions, then thank God for the grace and the mercy of God and the Lord Jesus Christ in the sense of all we have to do is, this is where the work has already been taken care of, is repent, ask for forgiveness, and it's done. Okay? So if you haven't been abiding in him and his word, and you've been living every day by the world's standards, then simply repent and allow God's forgiveness and the blood of Jesus make you right and position you to abide in him. It's really that simple. Almost done. Two scriptures that I want us to read. Uh, I was reminded of this in Revelation chapter 3, verses 19 through 21. I want to read it from the New King James, and then I'm going to read it from the Message Bible. And this is, I believe, what Jesus, not just to us in this room, I believe Jesus is saying this to the body of Christ as a whole. And let's look at it. For as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Now, one thing I love about the Lord, he loves us enough to rebuke and correct and chasten us. Now, he doesn't chasten and rebuke and correct with sickness and disease and car accidents and all that kind of stuff. He rebukes and corrects with this and the Holy Spirit. And then the rest is up to you, whether you obey and repent. Verse 20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now, by the way, this is Jesus talking to the apostle John in the book of Revelation, addressing this to a church, a local church. So these are Christians that Jesus is talking to. So he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. What that implies to me is there were some people in that church that were keeping Jesus shut out. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. There is nothing in that sentence that says, if you answer the door when I've been knocking on the door, you and I are going to have to go round and around and, and have a serious talk. And you, I mean, I'm going to be about half mad at you the whole time I'm spending time. No, there's nothing like that. He says, listen, open the door of your heart and I will come in and you and I are going to fellowship. We're going to spend some time together. We're going to hang around the table a little bit. Then he says, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. That sounds like some dwelling and abiding to me. Now listen to this from the Message Bible, okay? The people I love, I call to account. I prod and correct and guide them. Why? So that they'll live at their best. Up on your feet then, about face, like a military commander, run after God. Look at me. I stand at the door, I knock. 
If you hear me call and open the door, I'll come right in and sit down to supper with you. Conquerors will sit alongside me at the head of the table. Jesus wants you sitting at the head of the table with him. Just as I, having conquered, took the place of honor at the side of my father, that's my gift to the conquerors. What's he talking about conquering? Now, somebody might say, well, sin. No, not necessarily sin. I think what he's talking about conquering is, is this pull of the flesh to not be 100% in. And Jesus wants us to win that fight. He wants us to overcome that. But, but look at the promise is when we make the decision and we make the commitment like Joshua did, as for me and my house, we're in it 100%. We're going to serve the Lord. If God wants me to read my Bible, then bless God, I'm going to read my Bible. If God needs me to pray and wants me to pray, if I need to pray, then I'm going to pray. If God wants me to do whatever he wants me to do, and I am going to do it. And so that's the decision that we have to make. Because when we do that, we posture ourselves to be fully in God's presence where there's protection and safety and peace. So again, look at what he says. Uh, Conquerors will sit alongside me at the head of the table just as I, having conquered, took the place of honor at the side of my father. That's my gift to you. And that's what Jesus is telling each and every one of us. Now, I want to do this. I want to just read the first couple of verses of Psalm 91 again. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. Surely, He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He'll cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness. Listen. Can I say this to you? And I'm not trying to be funny when I say this. There's always going to be another pox or virus or something. We do not have to fear monkeypox. Just like we don't have to fear the swine flu. Let the monkeys and the hogs have it, but we don't have to have it. Nor at the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Now, here's what I'm going to, again, encourage you to do. Take the next 30 days at least and read this psalm every day. Now, here's what we're going to do also in the process of this series. I want you, as if you have children, small or grown, whatever, and... Um, you know, they have to go to work or they have to go to school and, and so forth. God's plan is not for you to have to be in fear all day thinking about, is my child safe at school? 
Or is my child safe working at McDonald's? Is my child safe doing this or that? I want you to be able to have peace in your heart to know my child is protected, that the angels are, in, that's why I declare this over us every Sunday. The angels are in camp. They're, they're stationed around my child to protect them and to keep them safe. The arrow, they don't use arrows now. Can I just, I, I'm not trying to be funny when I say this, but the bullets that fly at noonday shall not come near my child. Okay. Somebody says, but pastor, that just seems too far-fetched. Okay. This is for people who want to believe it. I choose to believe it. And so I'm declaring that over each and every one of us so that you do not have to live in fear. Amen. Say this with me. Say, Father, thank you for your promise of divine protection. I receive it today and I'm going to obey and fulfill the conditions so that I can walk in everything you said in your word. I dwell in the secret place of the Most High and I abide under His shadow. No weapon of the enemy can affect my life or my household. I am protected. I am safe. My children are safe. My family is safe. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.